Ladies and gentlemen, hear them pour. It's the Beer Geeks Radio Hour on WILK. Uh, welcome, everybody, to another episode of Beer Geeks Radio here on WILK. I'm Derek Warren, joined this week by my lovely co-host, Matt from Massive Beer Reviews. Yeah, buddy. George from George. Always. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we actually have a special in-studio friend with us. Mike is joining us all the way from California. He came back to visit because we love him so much. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's kind of filling in, I guess, a little bit for Billy, who is out in the woods. <laughs> no, he's, out, he's actually in Albany this week. He's not uh, He's not off the grid like usually. when. Whenever Billy's not here, just so anybody knows, that generally means he's off the grid somewhere being a woodsman. <laughs> I never heard anybody ever reference Albany as not being off the grid. Like, that's <laughs> well, like, pretty much off the well, grid, too. That, well, comparing that to the usual setting. Yes. We're putting it that way. So that gives you even more insight on how off the off the grid Billy usually goes. But uh, now he's uh, out this week, but we have a great show this week. We have Rare Barrel joining us from California, another really great brewery, uh, an all-sour brewery, too, so we have a lot to talk to as we're going to be talking to uh, the man that wears many, many hats in the brewery, Jay Goodwin, uh, brewer, co-founder, blender. Uh, he probably does a couple of the bottles, cleaning them up a little bit, too, and uh, maybe even cooks. I don't know. He does a lot of stuff down at that brewery. Uh, but they have some really, really phenomenal beers, and really looking forward to chatting with them about that. But before we get into anything, let's get over a little bit of the beer news now. If you did not go on the Internet this week and don't follow anything craft beer, then you may not have heard about this. But uh, Ballast Point this week was bought out by Constellation Brands. Now, they have uh, Modelo, Coronado, uh, yeah, Coronado. I keep wanting to say Coronado, Corona, and a uh, a few other, they're like a larger thing. Uh, you know, it's a little different than AB and Bev and stuff like that, but really in that same line where they distribute all those things. But there's a billion dollars with a B. The purchase price was one billion dollars, uh, which you know, we had Ballast Point on before. You know, they're a fairly large brewery, they have an international footprint, uh, and they're really fast growing brewery. So that was definitely done on a future seeing where that brewery is headed. Uh, and if you can kind of look at some of the numbers, I was going through some stuff, and it's interesting just to see how much they've grown because you don't even really think about it. In 2012, the brewery did 37,000 barrels. Just in the first six months of this year alone, they have done... 125,000 barrels. So that is really fast growth. Uh, you're going net revenue, 14 million in all 2012. First six months of this year, 51 million. Just silly numbers. Just yeah. absolutely like, ha ha ha, from the money yeah. to the amount they produce to how much they've produced. And you don't even, it's you, ridiculous. you don't even really think about those kind of things going on. But I mean, that's, that's the reality of this. You know, people like to be precious, and we've gone over this. So I don't even want to rehash that argument again and again, but, you know, people get precious about it. But it's like, this is a business, and this is a very solid, growing business, and those kind of things happen within that. But, I mean, it was definitely done in a future thing. They actually wound up having to borrow for, I mean, uh, Constellation wound up having to borrow $400 million to get through this purchase. I mean, it's, it's just a really interesting thing to see where this is going to go, but... You kind of don't even really think about it because, I mean, they're also not just a brewery. They also have a distillery. So you have a whole other branch of income coming in when, as that starts to grow. So there's a lot going on with that, but it was all over the place this week. Uh, if you didn't follow beer, then you didn't see that. But otherwise, it was pretty much in your face. And you saw a lot of uh, fanboys crying this week. <laughs> it's, it's you know, a lot of people make jokes about it. But, I mean, they're the same people who are going to be waiting in line for Bourbon County this Friday. So oh, definitely. Know, take that for take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> yeah. That's what I mean. It, it, people like to, to whine and cry about it. But it's like, you know, at the end of the day, as long as the beer is still good, 
that is really what matters. And we have not seen any of these purchases really lead to a drop off in quality as far as that goes. Uh, you know, the, the core things maybe change a little bit because they wind up getting moved to different breweries in some instances. But for the most part, they're not interested in buying out a brewery and running it into the ground. That's stupid business practices and will put you any business, no matter how big you are, right out. So it's not really going to go that way. And the other thing, uh, another purchase that happened we talked about was Golden Road. Well, that was finalized this week. So, I mean, that was another thing that was been going on. AB and Bev bought them. That was a couple, was it two months ago? Oh, George is wearing the short. George is still loyal. <laughs> um, but, I mean, they, they have, it, it, right away, right out of the gate for this happening, there's hints of nas- national distribution coming. They're going to be uh, building a new pub in Los Angeles this year and then a second one going in Anaheim during to the end of next year. So, I mean, you have that kind of stuff wouldn't have gone on with the way they were going. Not that they were going under by any means, but it was much slower growth. Now they can really be aggressive and get out there. And if you're brewing good beer and you have someone throwing money behind you, now you can brew more good beer. Like, there's more to it than that, I understand. And it, but. It's two very distinct um, different takes on what how they're being dealt with breweries. You know, buy small, yeah. grow, or buy when they're big and try to even reach a broader subject base or with your beer. So it's, it's interesting to see what will happen with Ballast Point considering how big they are already. Yeah. And then there's so much to them, too. And like they have a loyal following on a bunch of different ones. And one of the ones I want to talk to in the new beers, uh, they just announced this week that now their Victory at Sea is one of my favorite. And, uh, I just absolutely love that beer. But they are looking at doing a Peppermint Victory at Sea that's uh, going to have bottle potential. It's interesting to me. Like The thought initially when I saw that, I'm like, ah. I don't know how that's going to go, but I'm just intrigued to see how that would be with those flavors whirling around because they've had some weird thoughts that have worked out quite well. So it'll be interesting to see how that one is, but that's the one's looking for a bottle release. Uh, New Belgium released two gluten-reduced beers this week uh, that actually kind of fall in the spectrum of being gluten-free. Now I was going to ask, gluten-reduced. That's, that's the thing that's funny. A couple of breweries have done gluten-reduced, which kind of doesn't make any ounce of sense because if you really can't have gluten then you're you, you can't have that so who are you going after yeah it's got to be gluten free or nothing but i uh, technically i guess the way this what they're saying is uh, i think it's 20 uh 20 parts per million is allowed to when you're calling something gluten free that's how small it can get but i guess theirs with whatever this process is they did to remove it uh it's actually down to 10 parts per million so it's actually even falls below the guidelines for that so I don't know. It's a golden ale and a pale ale, so let's see how that one is. And they actually just announced, too, they're releasing a blackberry barley wine. Yeah, that makes sense in my brain because <laughs> I want it now. That's I just kind of <laughs> want to see where, where that's going to go because that's a really bizarre kind of out there thought. And uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about was Sam Adams. Their Rebel Raw is now hitting five major cities. Uh, you're going to get it in Boston, New York City, D.C., Philly, and Chicago are the main markets they're going to be getting that one. And it's, it's hitting now. And as we said before when we're talking about it, it's fresh 35 days and they're going to want to put it off the shelf. That's what they're trying to do is put this emphasis on just total fresh. And uh, all of us here in the studio are actually lucky enough to be able to try some of that. Yeah, I mean, it's it, like you said, they're, they're basically taking a shot at, which is funny enough to say, New England IPAs, uh, mm-hmm. but that's where they're at, so it, it just makes sense. And we both all had it last night, and I'm telling you what, man, it's pretty good, freaking yeah. stuff. It, it's up there. It's If you blind taste tested this, and we were talking about this before the show, if you blinded it, um, you, most people would be, I think, would give it better scores yeah. because they view it with... Non-rose-colored And that's the stuff that really always bothers me with a lot of stuff with Sam Adams. I've said it before. It's just, it's, it's so aggravating to me to hear people, I feel like they, they and I'm trying to not 
yeah. aggressively go at people. <laughs> but it's just I feel like some people kind of don't really look at them the way they should be looked at. Like, without them, a lot of what we have now wouldn't be around. And they're still making really good beers. People just like to have that... Uh, I don't know, like, uh, been there kind of attitude with a lot of the beers. And it's like, you know what? When someone's still putting out something good after all this time, that says something about the brewery. Because you're going to have a lot of fly-by-night breweries that come along and make these, like, they have one great beer that everybody's crapping their pants to get. What else do they have? Like, anyone can have one hit. It's just when you kind of have that repetition of great things, and they've been doing it for so long, and they have so many beers that I feel like people don't even realize they have. And it's like coming out with this Rebel Raw thing, I knew it was going to be an interesting thought to go after that market because that's totally going after fanboys. Like that's just, that is who you're hitting at is these people that go up to New England together. And they're great IPAs, but, you know, you're kind of keen into that. So you really have to have something to stand on. And they nailed it. And they had had to reach out and um, definitely work with some brewers on this because, I mean, what was it, a year and a half, two years ago, they still didn't even produce an IPA. They refused to. Yeah, they were They went from not making any IPAs to now making something like this. Yeah. You know, it shows that they're, hey, they're changing with the times and they want to give people what they want. Yeah. You know? And we are uh, having our first one from Rare Barrel. We'll cover this one a little bit. This is their Forces Unseen, uh, 5.3% ABV. Uh, this is a kind of a base golden ale, just like a nice little subtle sour, just kind of getting introduced to it. And what's great with the, all their beers, and as we get into it more, is, you know, in America, because <laughs> we love things to be super aggressive. So a lot of the sour beers that people get, are really aggressive sour beers that can kind of turn people off to the style. What's great with Rare Barrel is like you have all these subtle nuances going on, but the sour is there, but it's not overly puckering. You're not going to be completely turned. Because if you have too many sour beers, and we'll find out later today how we do with this, <laughs> if you have too many of them, your stomach can, uh, <laughs> you're not doing too good no. later. We'll put it that way. But with the way they do all their beers, like they're a lot more reserved. They have those sour qualities, so they're great for getting people into the style. There's definitely a, like it, it, there's a nice acidity level to it. It's not like a super simple sour. It is a bit aggressive, but it's not oh, like you said yeah. over the top to the point where it's gonna like make you. And that's what's great to have that. Like this is great for introductory, but they have so many things going on that like this is something you can continue to go on to no matter how jaded you get with all of your craft beer stuff. Like there's this is still a brewery. It's great to go back to because they're always doing new things. And, uh, you know, we're going to take a break now. When we come back, we're going to be joined on the phone by Jay Goodwin from the Rare Barrel and really dive deep into all these great beers. So stay tuned here in the Beer Geeks, W-I-L-K. Cheap cars, Cheap cars, it's No Deal Left Behind November. All this month at Sansui Motors. Is your current vehicle something not to be thankful for? Is your credit holding you back from driving the vehicle you deserve? Sansui Motors has the solution. Sansui Motors stands behind their motto, No Worries. With vehicles priced as low as $49.95 and payments as low as $65 per month, you can't go wrong. All vehicles come fully serviced and warranted. Driving an old sled? No worries. You get a minimum of $11.26 for all trades, no matter the condition. It's their way of saying thanks. Find out more at SansuiMotors.com or better yet, stop in 2150 Sansui Highway, Hanover Township. With a large selection of vehicles for every budget and no worries, you won't regret it. Sansui Motors. Cheap cars, 
much money are you spending on bottled water or those five-gallon jugs? ODAC, a fresh, innovative water purification and filtration design company, is dedicated to providing only the purest, healthiest water on the planet. Call them today at 888-901-ODAC for a free consultation. Their filtration system is healthy, environmentally friendly, and is hassle and maintenance-free. They'll even let you know when your filter needs to be replaced. Call ODAC at 888-901-ODAC and ask about free installation for WILK listeners. Dining, entertainment, adventure. Get it all at half price or more at GetMyPerks.com. You'll save money with great deals from all your favorite restaurants, golf courses, family fun centers, even half price tickets to local events. Stay in the know and sign up for the Get My Perks text club. Simply text PERKS to 99404 and you'll receive alerts about the latest deals right at your fingertips. Plus, be sure to check out GetMyPerks.com each day for the next premium perk of the day. Message and data rates may apply. If you like days in the woods and nights under the stars, then you need to circle November 21st and 22nd on your calendar for the Intercom Outdoor Show at the Kingston Armory. With only $2 admission and free parking, the Intercom Outdoor Show will showcase anything and everything needed for your favorite outdoor activities. There will be hunting supplies, fishing gear, equipment, guns, ammunition, and a gun buyback program hosted by Roll Call of Durier. Stay for the seminars and demonstrations taking place throughout both days of the show and register to win some incredible door prizes, or should we say outdoor prizes, that will make your next adventure the best one yet. So if you're an outdoor enthusiast, don't forget to mark your calendar for the Intercom Outdoor Show, Saturday, November 21st from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Sunday, November 22nd from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. at the Kingston Armory, an Intercom marketing event. Great song. Just all relaxing. Yeah, I know. It's just funny when you think of a movie, what do you think of when you hear this? Natural Born Killers? Uh, so it's like I was that trying to think exact like opposite yeah. of what the song is. I was trying to think, I know it's 90s, I can't, I could not picture it. There you go. All right, show's over. Oh, no. <laughs> All right, so we're back here in WLK and the Beer Geeks, and uh, joining us now on the phone, we have from the Rare Barrel, one of the big men down there themselves. We have on the phone with us Mr. Jay Goodwin from Rare Barrel. Jay, how are you doing today, bud? Good, guys. How are you? Oh, we're great. We're having some of your good beer. It's a Sunday morning. Oh, actually, no, it's Sunday afternoon for us, Sunday morning for you, so... Yeah, it's a little early for uh, beer for me on the West Coast, but I'm glad you guys are getting started. <laughs> well, we're doing what we can. So I want to <laughs> jump back a little bit with you guys with everything. So, like, what what kind of got you into this whole process of brewing in the first place? Like, what was your background leading into this? I was a, a brief, flea-stinted home brewer, um, but after about three homebrew batches, I kind of fell in love with it and decided, you know, this is something I could do for a living. Uh, my co-founder and I... Uh, we're college roommates, Alex Wallace at uh, UC Santa Barbara, and we kind of decided then to uh, get into brewing. Um, we just needed a foot in the door, basically. So yeah. the idea was that Alex was a biology major, and he was going to become the brewer, and I was doing uh, psychology, so I was going to become some sort of functioning member of the team. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to help um, everybody when they had problems. Yes, exactly. <laughs> HR, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, it, it turned out to uh, to kind of flip on us where um, I actually got a job at the brewery in Orange County. And then uh, Alex got a job in sales and marketing. So it worked out well where we had a balanced team. 
and uh, that kind of started everything right there. So what went up leading to to that transition for you to want going to the brewery? Like when that happened, I mean, that's especially with the the beers that they are doing is is just very different than uh, I don't know what you started out home brewing, but I think uh, I really think that the brewery um, is sort of like giving a home brewer the keys to any brewery in the United States yeah. because the beers we were making were so extreme, but, you know, we we really had a talented team to execute them well, but they were just wild ideas. So it was a lot of fun. I learned to use extreme ingredients, things I had never heard of, like galongo root, and maybe I'll never see again, but, you know, made a dark beer with galongo root and, um, it was it, that also transitioned me into uh, having my first sour beer, which was their Flemish Red uh, Oud Tart, and that was the first beer I ever tasted. And it was out of an oak barrel, so I had kind of a, a crazy, a crazy ride to get into sour beer. But uh, by the time I left the brewery, I was the head of the barrel aging program, wow. and we were managing about fifteen hundred oak barrels by the time I left. I think a year after that, they were up to about three thousand. Wow. So now, when when did that kind of passion, I mean, I guess I'd say passion, I mean, it's a job initially, but to, to get into that knowledge of getting into to barrel aging and stuff, what, what was that transition like for you? Was it uh, kind of natural or was it something you really had to spend a lot of late nights doing? Oh, I did, I did a, a, quite a bit of research because, you know, this is, I don't have, like I mentioned before, I don't have a science background, mm-hmm. but... It did take, you know, you, you have to be passionate to kind of get into all the nitty-gritty details and be motivated to find out all this information, um, which, you know, sometimes isn't readily available. I think, um, you know, it's great when you have shows like this that really educate people about beer, but when it comes to sour beer, there's not a lot of resources. You know, there's all these research articles on Saccharomyces or beer yeast fermentation, but when it comes to the things that ferment sour beer, wild yeast, botanomyces, and lactic acid bacteria, there's not a lot of information on it. So it's it's tough to research something that we're kind of on the frontier of right now. Yeah. Now, when did the Rare Barrel actually open? When did you make that transition away from the brewery into opening up your own? Oh, always a, tough, a tougher question than it sounds like. So <laughs> let's see. I left the brewery uh, spring of... 12, we started construction on the rare barrel, fall of 12, brewed our first batch February of 13, and then we opened our taste room December 27th of 13. And that may seem like a big gap, but I'm sure as you guys mentioned, you know, we're an all-sour brewery, so our first beer took, you know, forever, painstakingly long to, to come out. So that was that was a kind of a wild ride and a lot of lonely days by myself at the brewery just kind of staring at the barrel saying you know come on you guys ready yet but that's not how it works you know the beer ready is ready when it tells you it's ready so why did you decide to make that jump from the brewery into opening up your own um you know i think every brewer has that bug in them um but for me it was really a passion about sour beer and kind of i think all businesses start with a problem, trying to solve a problem. And to me, the problem was sour beers are hard to get, you know, and people love them. And so why are they so hard to get? Well, because they take so long, but why isn't there anyone who's really just doing sour beer to make this a little bit easier? And so that's, that's one of the main goals of us at the Rare Barrel. Um, you know, we're just, uh, there's some challenges with, uh, 
with being an all sour brewery, but we're trying to make our, our small dent in that problem. And, you know, in the years since we started, I think we've seen a lot more sour beer programs and some, even some uh, newer all sour breweries. So you you said that you had your first sour beer when you worked at the brewery, and then you go and open your own sour brewery. Was it that seems like a huge jump from one end of the spectrum to the other? Being having your first sour and then doing that was it even more? It has to be even more impactful, right? Like you must have had your first sour and something changed in your brain, right? I mean, I, to be honest, I thought it was just okay at first. But, uh, <laughs> oh, fair enough. Well, you're ruining that dream. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, we sour beer, uh, for some people, is something that it's a love that develops over time. Some people love it right away. We kind of advocate at the Rare Barrel this uh, thing we stole from New Belgium, which is uh, a three-sip rule. So, if you're having your first sour beer, you have the first sip, and it kind of shocks your palate. You have the second sip, and it's like, okay, now you're just starting to calibrate. And the third one is actually when you're tasting the beer for the first time. You're tasting the flavors because you're used to the acidity. So I think sour beer is something that takes some getting used to. It's not going to be, I don't I don't think, ever a, a big-time mainstream beer. But, you know, I really think it's something special and something that when people taste it for the first time, they get this wow moment. I mean, there's so much monotony in day-to-day life. It's, it's kind of fun when you get something that really surprises you, and I think sour beer is one of those things. Yeah. Yeah, we had uh, Lauren Salazar on before, and we've had Ron from Jolly Pumpkin on, too, and talking about things. And it's interesting, too, like putting the question to them, like, what is a sour beer? It's always interesting to hear because it, it seems like there's no baseline idea. Like, to you, like, what is a sour beer? I mean, beyond just the taste, like, what differentiates it from, quote-unquote, regular beer? You know, I think it's the, it's the tart and acidic flavor. Um, so to me, on a technical side, sour beer is a beer that has acidity produced by bacteria. So most yeast are fermented, most beers are fermented by yeast. Um, what makes sour beer special to me is the lactic acid bacteria, which, you know, just like the lactic acid in a yogurt or something like that, you know, that's going to produce acidity in that. These same similar bacteria produce acidity in sour beer. So I think from the technical side, it's the use of bacteria in the brewing process, the fermentation process. And then from the flavor side, it's, you know, it is pretty straightforward. I think it's the acidity. There's also the use of wild yeast, which can really contribute these lovely aromatics and flavors that I honestly think you don't really get in any other food or beverage that I've ever had. I mean, just, really intriguing flavors that are not found in any other product on the market. One of the other things that's interesting, like when when, uh, we had Ron on from Jolly Pumpkin, he was talking, I think it's interesting because you guys opened at a different time. When he first opened, he told us all the, uh, I guess, horror stories of people returning the beer, saying, I think something's wrong with it, and you need to take a look at it. Did did you have any of those problems when you guys were first opening, or was it kind of like you're entering at that point in time, like you're entering a little bit more of an informed beer drinker, but did you still have some of that pushback from uninformed? You know, I thought there would be a lot more, but there hasn't been, and I think... What I attribute that to is the fact that we're starting in the Bay Area. Um, so Russian River Brewing Company is only about an hour away from us. Um, and they've laid the groundwork in our backyard of not only what sour beer is and what that's all about, but what good sour beer tastes like. Because I think a lot of people are trying sour beer for the first time these days, but they're not trying the best sour beer because there's a lot of new breweries starting and a lot of new sour 
beer program starting. So it hasn't, you know, it's, it's a difficult fermentation. So yeah. the first experience isn't always the best. Luckily, luckily for us, in our own backyard, people knew what sour beer was and, and what it was supposed to taste like. And, uh, you know, you mentioned Ron and Lauren, and, uh, you know, I just talked about Russian Ripper. I feel really fortunate that we're starting at this time that sour beer is on the upswing, and mm-hmm. we try to pay tribute to the people who, who laid all that work uh, before us. You know, we don't take that for granted. So we have this series of beers called On the Shoulders of Giants, which is actually designed to do just that. We uh, pay tribute to the people who really, we really feel like it, without them, we could not have started the Rare Barrel. So we've only, we're only about two years old, so we've only done about, we've only done one of these beers so far, and it was with um, Pete Slosberg of Pete's Wicked Ales, who's a local Bay Area beer hero here. Um, and uh, yeah, we, can, we, we plan on continuing that series to honor those types of people. That's awesome. One of the other things, it's now we've had breweries on that have sour programs, and I know the the main worry is always uh, infection crossing through. With doing the brewery the way you guys are, like, is there a worry for you with you know different bacteria getting into to things that you don't want? Do you have to worry about cross contamination at all when you're doing on on this level of just sour beers? That's a great question. I think a lot of people assume that because we're only doing sour beer, we kind of don't have to worry about that stuff, but we actually do worry about it quite a bit because we're trying to experiment with different yeast and bacteria many, many times over. So that's our main goal is to be experimental. And we don't want to cross contaminate, you know, this bacteria with that one, even though the result might be the same, might be a sour beer, the subtle flavor differences will change. So we really want to be able to um, have control over our experiment. So we do, we limit the contact, the, the amount that beers kind of stay in the same vessel. We, you know, we clean everything going forward, but it's certainly possible you could start a sour brewery, whereas it's kind of more like the wild, wild west and you're just <laughs> not cleaning anything and, you know, transferring. That's kind of like a brewer's dream to me, but uh, that's just not how, how we do it. Yeah. How is that work though? With with you know with the yeast, like with the temperature controls and something. How is it that you can control the bacteria to kind of keep that in balance with everything? Like, what are the tricks with doing that versus just brewing with regular yeast? Well, it's tough because I think bacteria. The the real trick of it is they're slow starters, so you kind of have to get them going uh, even before you put them into a beer just to prove that they can sour a beer and taste it on a small scale. So one gallon, one oak barrel, whatever it may be. But then once they get going, they can start going really fast. So they're going to, if you use the same culture over multiple generations, you're really going to find that the bacteria are outpacing the yeast. So you have to be able to dial that back by either manipulating how much yeast you put in there, or you can increase the bitterness to inhibit the bacteria. There's a few different techniques, but you definitely have to monitor them. So what is it that you do? I mean, the, the one thing we, we've talked about already with some of the beers we have, like, you know, a lot of sour beers, um, you know, because we're we're America and we like things to be big and aggressive, a lot of the sour beers that a lot of people kind of get introduced to are a little bit more aggressive and more puckering and a little tougher for some people to get, whereas everything that I've had from you guys is just very balanced, has a nice dry finish, and it doesn't take off. Like, what is that trick to have that really great balance that you guys have, that, that the sourness doesn't overtake the, the beer flavor portfolio? 
You know, I think it's, uh, I appreciate the compliment, and I, I think it's, uh, I think it's blending. So, you know, we have the luxury of having about 900 oak barrels in our mm-hmm. cellar. Um, so, we, if we want a little more acidity up or down, a little more aromatics from different beers up or down, a little more color from different beers up or down, we, we have all the tools to be able to do that. Now, you know, not every brewery has a 900 barrel cellar, so yeah. you kind of have to, um, you're, you have one shot or four shots at getting it right, you know, the first time, but luckily we, we, we do have the, the luxury of having many oak barrels. It also affords us the luxury of dumping beer. So, you know, I think you're more likely to dump a bad barrel of beer if you have 900 than if you have, you know, four sour beer barrels going in your cellar. Now, having the 900 barrels, how many different beers do you have kind of displaced through that usually at one time? So we start with three base recipes, our gold, our red, and our dark which are all available online if you just Google the rare barrel recipes. Um, and that's all, that's all we do on the hot side of things. But then, as I mentioned before, we have so many different fermentation experiments going. So different yeast, different bacteria, different combinations, different uh, pitching rates, different pitching times. Um, anything we can think of to manipulate, we'll do it. And do you... I'm oh, sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No, you go ahead. Uh, so basically, we check in about like three, six, nine months down the line, and then we say to ourselves, "Okay, what is this beer? What does it taste like? I know this may be what we're going for, but what is it like, and what would complement it?" So then we match the beer to secondary ingredients instead of planning a beer from day one saying, "Oh, this is going to be a raspberry sour beer." We taste it six months down the line, and we say, "Would this be good with raspberries?" And we say, "Oh no, this is better with." Know, peach or apricot or lavender or whatever it may be. So we don't pre-plan what beers are going to be. Mm-hmm. For, for the most part, I'd say 90 plus percent of our beers are not pre-planned. Now, do you do you get, I don't know what the correct word would be, maybe frustrated with the word sour ever? Because there's so many different nuances and styles of sours. It's one big catch-all name for so many different styles. Do you find that to be a little frustrating sometimes when dealing with trying to educate people about that, about your beer? I know a lot of people do find that frustrating. I wouldn't count myself among them. We're kind of on the other end of the spectrum where we like sour. We're putting it out there. It's on our logo, a sour beer company. Um, so we're, we're proud of the sour uh, label. But the thing I like about sour the most is that just like the taste, it kind of shocks you verbally. Like, whoa, sour beer. And although it, you know, a lot of people can interpret that as a negative, even more, you know, there's just as many people who hear that and they're like, they're, they're intrigued. They want to know more. They want to know what this is all about. And, you know, they're willing to try it. I think today more than ever, people are very adventurous when it comes to trying new things and I think sour beer is just another and a long line of those types of things. Now the other thing I have to ask because uh, everyone else we've had on with the, that dealt with sour beers is what is, uh, you, I'm sure you have a favorite barrel and what the name of it is. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you should ask that because our, our brewery is actually named after this idea that every brewer has you know, this special barrel, this special blend of yeast and bacteria that has produced this beautiful beer. And it's actually reminds us of a story that probably 
you may have heard from uh, Lauren Salazar mm-hmm. that uh, they had a barrel at you know, Belgium called PH1. Yep. It's one of their very first barrels there, their best barrel. And one day it was just gone. So <laughs> Lauren was obviously not very happy about that. But years later, she was out at a Russian River Brewing Company, and she saw it there. And she's like, you know, what the heck is this doing here? And found out that it was given away to them and has been had been making great sour beer at their brewery. Um, eventually, Vinny gave the barrel back to Lauren, and it was at PH1 was back in New Belgium. We, we actually got the chance to do a collaboration beer with New Belgium, and in our blend was... PH1, the barrel that we basically named our brewery after. And just a few weeks ago, uh, we, uh, we we released the beer a few months ago, but then just a few weeks ago, New Belgium actually shipped us that oak barrel. So oh, wow. That's amazing. We have it in the brewery now, and we're uh, growing up the yeast and bacteria that live inside there, and we're going to propagate it throughout a bunch of beers. That's fantastic. That's awesome. <laughs> that's a great story. Yeah, no, that's, and that's what's great. And just to show, I know, like, you had a good relationship with Lauren, too, as you guys were coming, because I, I think during that show, she even had talked about it. Um, now, one of the other things I want to cover quick a little bit with the facts, and you guys, like, what, what's your distribution footprint like for the brewery? It's about the size of the brewery. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we do um, 99% of our beer in-house. Um, we do have a beer club um, called the Ambassadors of Sour, which is something that anyone can join. And what we do is uh, we can ship beers to any address in California. So if anyone listening would like to join, we have uh, renewals next fall. Um, and we, we ship beers to anyone in California, but you can sign up if you're out of state and you get 10 beers that are exclusively blended just for the club, so not available to the public. That's awesome. Nice, and you do like probably like a trustee program or something like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so a lot of people do that. So they'll, you know, I think California is a pretty big state. Everyone knows someone who lives in California. So, you know, they just call their friend Bob and say, hey, Bob, you know, can I get 10 beers shipped to your house? And then I'll come pick them up sometime. You can have two of them. And, you know, Bob's smart. He's like, hell yeah. Cla- <laughs> classic Bob. <laughs> <laughs> now, one of the, we have in our glass right now some uh, home sour home. Now, this is really interesting because what I like with, with what you guys do is, you know, you, you with the flavors you're saying are there are all present within this. Like, it's really nice. Like, the cinnamon actually comes through. You get a little bit of that vanilla and some of the fruit coming. It, it's just really nicely balanced. Like, what was kind of the thought process of, like, when you were putting this recipe together? Well, this is another beer where we kind of felt like... We, we, waited, we waited for the beer to tell us what it was going to be. So um, the, it was one of the first batches we ever brewed, and we tasted it, and we were just like, man, this is just awesome, awesome flavor and aroma, and the peach character inherent in the beer, so without fruit, is just out of control. So let's <clears throat> turn that up a little bit, and kind of we tried it after we added the fruit, and we said... You know, this is good, but I think we could augment it a little bit and try to turn it into so, sort of like a peach cobbler sour type of beer. So it's, it's a great beer. It's, uh, it was one of uh, Draft Magazine's top 25 beers of the year last year, and it's just something that reminds us of home. Yeah, no, you can definitely get that. And so it's nice, too, because, you know, sometimes that sourness can take off, but you, you have all those flavors present, which is great. Now, one of the other things I want to get to, too, because I am a listener, Jay, I want you to be able to mention, you know, you do a, a podcast yourself on the Brewing Network, The Sour Hour. When can people check that one out? The uh, best way to check it out is to uh, subscribe on iTunes. We do it once a month live, um, and we'll announce that on our Facebook page at The Rare Barrel and at The Brewing Network. Um 
But yeah, I, I appreciate the opportunity for the shameless plug. It's a great way for people to learn more about sour beers. Yeah, no, not a problem at all, Jane. And I thank you so much for taking the time to give us a call today. And, uh, you know, the beers are phenomenal and love what you guys are doing. And keep uh, keep up uh, all the good work you're doing out there. Thanks thanks so much, guys, for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Thanks, brother. Thank Cheers, you. and have a, have a great Thanksgiving. You too. Thanks. thanks. Cheers, Jay. All right. Now, you're talking about a guy that has a ton of information. That would have been one of those interviews that can go on for probably two hours, and we would have not gotten into nearly as much as we could. We've we've talked multiple times about like how cl- cool and close-knit the like um, brewing and beer community is. For That story about that barrel oh, yeah. moving around like that is the coolest story I've yeah. ever heard. No, we'll get into that one a little bit more, but right now we're going to take a break here on the Beer Geeks WLK. We'll be back and have some more great beers from the Rare Barrel. All 2015s must go. It's the Dixon City Hyundai Gobble Your Savings event. Buy any new Dixon City Hyundai and make no payment till next year. Lease a 2016 Hyundai Elantra SE for only $119 a month. Or a 2015 Hyundai Sonata SE leased for only $139 per month. The all-new redesigned 2016 Hyundai Tucson. $239 a month. Save up to $7,000. And zero down delivers on all new 2015 Hyundais. Dixon City Hyundai can lower your payments. Plus, we will put you in a new and safer car. And with Dixon City Hyundai's quick loan approval, we will get you approved in less than 20 minutes for most people. And we'll deliver your new Dixon City Hyundai to your home or office. Dixon City wants your trade, regardless of balance owed. All new cars come with 10-year, 100,000-mile warranty. Dixon City Hyundai has a huge selection of the all-new 2016 Tucson. Leased for only $239 a month. Now through Monday only at Dixon. Dixon. Dixon City Hyundai. 81 to exit 191A. Just past the Viewmont Mall on the left. Call 1-800-HYUNDAI. All leases 36 months, 12,000 miles per year, 1999. Do it signing. Tax and tags extra. All rebates to dealer. You can check out all the details at DixonCityHyundai.com. I was coming out of the hardware store when I saw him. An old man, late 70s, hunched over in the freezing rain, no hat on his head, limping across that slippery parking lot and pushing a row of shopping carts toward the cart corral. It's heartbreaking. Millions of hardworking Americans simply don't have enough money to retire, so they just keep working and working and working until it's too late. Hi, I'm Chad Stubbs, president and CEO of Power Trader, and I believe that's just plain wrong. That's why I'm now distributing to the public absolutely free copies of Power Trader's game-changing book on how regular folks can make the money they need to retire fast. For your free copy, call 1-800-712-5656. Don't let the lack of money rob you of your retirement. Call now for details and get your free copy of this book before it's too late. 1-800-712-5656. But hurry while supplies last. 1-800-712-5656. Holidays snuck up on you again? Don't know what to get anyone? Avoid the lines and let our holiday helper take care of your gift-giving needs. Beginning Thanksgiving evening, visit GetMyPerks.com and check out great deals from our area's best businesses, including restaurants, family fun, spa and beauty services, jewelers, beer distributors, remote car starters, and more. These special deals are limited in number and won't last long. Be sure to head to GetMyPerks.com beginning Thanksgiving evening at 6 p.m. and grab them while they last. This is WILK, powered by... By Sherwood Chevrolet in Tunkhannock, PA. Stop by Sherwood to view full lines of Buick, GMC, and Chevrolet. Oh, good times. Enjoying some beer during the break. We have we still have a lot more to work through here on the Beer Geeks WYLK. Another great interview talking with Jay from uh, Rare Barrel. They're talking about a man who knows his stuff. And I think we were talking before that that story. We had Lauren on. Like she had mentioned that 
about the story with the barrel and everything has kind of become a little bit of a legendary thing within the brewery and within, you know, those who are within the sour beer community as well. Um, because it really does, like, it is an important thing that I, I think like we didn't get to really crack into as much, but, you know, a specific barrel can start to give off these flavors that no other barrel is giving. And it becomes, like, that's why they wound up naming it. Like, Lauren had that name for it and, like, knew. And it was funny, too, because she had said, like, when she saw it, like, in my mind, I remember when she was recounting that story, I had that, like, you know, in those uh, romantic comedy movies, you see someone, there's that slow running towards one another. That's what I kind of (laughs) pictured when she was saying she saw it. And, uh, you know, it was just that reconnection with everything. And then that's awesome, too, now to hear that it has a new home and another brewery that's really doing all these things and then just continuing on. Because the life of that, I mean, it it just keeps on going. So I think people don't think of that. It's like, you know, it's not a one and done thing with these barrels. Like they want these flavors to continue to develop and they keep growing and giving off different flavors. And you have to pay attention to all that stuff, too. With that, You have to have a little bit of a science background to get into these things. And like you mentioned with them, with um, them trying to um, keep the yeast separate, like they're not they don't have to worry about they have to worry about cross contamination just yeah. as much as other breweries. It's not where they just go willy nilly and let everything go back and forth because certain bacteria are going to eat certain bacteria and create certain flavors so you don't want to introduce yeah. the bacteria you don't want to be in there and yeah, same thing goes with barrels yeah because i mean there's also sometimes there, there's things that can get into that actually will eat the barrel itself and you'll start to get these awful flavors because that's not what they wanted intended to have mm-hmm. i mean i think with with people that get into sour beers the uh much sought after one always is, is the old cantillon that's what everybody kind of refers to and the photos of that are legendary as you know they don't clean the brewery it's just left as it is and you can't do that in all of them. <laughs> like, that's yeah. the whole thing. It's like you, you can't just, that's not how every brewery that has a sour thing operates. It's not all left that way. And, you know, we had those romantic thoughts of it, but that's not how it is. But, uh, no, when we were taking the break, we we had a little bit. There's there's a new one they have uh, that just came out called Map of the Sun. Uh, it's a golden ale. Is it apricots that were in it? I believe, yes. yeah. I mean, we just like a really, that would have been one that's perfect for summer. And that's what's unfortunate now. We're getting into the fall, and it's not as... Summary. Works for me anytime, baby. Yeah, it, it was just, it's nice. But with all of these, it's great because you, you get the flavors that they are saying that are going to be in there. They come through without being overly acidic, without having like too much kind of cutting through with all this stuff going on. You get all these wonderful flavors and it's balanced perfectly and super easy drinking. They're like, you know, sessionable sour beers, I guess we can put it that way. Because they're all low ABV too. Everything we've had so far is generally within like the five to six uh, ABV range for everything. So, I mean, they're super easy drinking. And what we have now in our glass is ensorcelled, which is just another, it's a dark sour with raspberries, but it, it doesn't come through. And raspberries to me can kind of be a little off-putting when they're too heavy-handed because there are a couple raspberry-type beers that are out there that they just, when they're when they're too heavy-handed, that, that sour, that bitter kind of quality that some raspberries can have can be a little too off-putting when they're done too heavy-handedly. But having this wonderful balance with that, the dark sour, and what's awesome, too, is what Jay was saying, that they have their base beers. Those are all available out there that you can kind of recreate your own and then kind of mess around with it. And this is another great, you know, style. I hate to say style because a sour beer style is so, like as you said, we were talking, like very open-ended. Yeah. There's a lot to it. It's not just, you know, oh, it's a stout. Like, no, there's a lot that's encompassed in this. But, you know, to have the sour beer style is a great one to, to kind of mess around with and experiment with because there's so many different things you can play with it and you see that a lot of these great breweries are doing that now with Rare Barrel, Almanacs and other ones from out California is doing some really cool things with souring and 
there's just a lot going on with it. And it's, what's nice with this is like you have within Sorcel those wonderful raspberries, but it's still balanced. It's like it's like almost like you can get like the earthy kind of bits and pieces. Almost I don't want to say pulpy because there is yeah. no pulp in it, but you can kind of almost get berry pieces out of it. That's how how much. Yeah, it almost is feels in like there. you should be like having those seeds stuck in your teeth. Yeah, you sip yeah, it. yeah, it's that it's that cool. It's, it's probably a little bit less acidic than their their lighter beer. This is one of their darker ones, but um, yeah, I'm a fan. So we just, I'm cracking open now a bottle of their, we're, we're kind of rolling through because we have, from the interview and stuff, we, we have, we have uh, four more posts that, so we're kind of rolling through some of these. Um, but this is their Becoming, which is another, this is a golden sour that's aged in oak with uh, boysenberries, which is not usually a fruit that you see commonly used in a lot of things, but it's just like, it falls within that realm of, of you know, the raspberries and stuff, but it has this wonderful kind of light blueberry kind of taste to it, but without going too much into that. What's nice with all of these is there is enough fruit character for those who love fruit beers that they will gravitate towards these and absolutely love these beers, but there is not too much fruit character for those who hate fruit beers like myself. It's off-putting, and that that's the key. It's like I am not a fruit beer fan because to me, even when they're like sour they tend to be a little overly sweet, tend to be too heavy-handed with the sugar in it and everything, and that's just too off-putting to me. It's like instant heartburn and become, you know, an old 90-year-old man after one sip. See, that's usually with uh, sours for me do that to me, not just fr- fruit beers I usually get through pretty easy, but sour beers usually light me yeah. up like 4th of July. Yeah. And this is, uh, these aren't doing it. I mean, it's flirting a little bit there, but again, it's they have that acidity and rain. It's not like over the top to where it's going to just do you in. Yeah, that, that's another thing uh, I guess we should mention quick. Like if, if you're going to, there's there's a reason you don't see too many uh, sour beer festivals or things like that out there. Uh, you need to kind Kind of keep these in check when you're going to town with sour beers because one too many and you will instantly regret how uh, oh, yeah. how, how far you went. Because the, the main thing with this is that this is going to throw off, like other than, you know, it, it's different from any other kind of beer as well. Uh, it's going to throw off the pH in your stomach. That's the key with it because it's getting a little scientific. But like when you're having this kind of acidity going on, it will throw off the pH in your stomach and you you, you just do not want to do that to yourself. No. But well, with, like. You'll 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 learn you'll learn your lesson. Oh yeah, you'll oh yeah. That's one of those kind of one and done things like you don't repeat it because you you know what happened. But what's nice with these is like they don't have that. Even like you know we're on our fifth one now, and it, I don't have that like you know oh no like you have that feeling sometimes after you have like you know what's gonna happen. It's just it's super easy drinking. They're light. They're kept in check, which is like such a great compliment to the brewery and to Jay and everything to be able to have these beers, have all these wonderful qualities, but still be kept in check and be reserved because that's where you know as we've said on here before, when you're when you want to go into a brewery, you want to try their you know pale ales or pills, and you want to try something that's light because when you have something you can keep in check with these flavors, like that shows the skill of a brewer. Yeah, and well, and plus when you go back to back to back like this. You get like he was kind of talking about the three sips. Yeah, um, something like this. It's almost like like being a Kenyan runner and training at altitude. <laughs> Once you do it for a little bit, then you, your palate super acclimates to that acidity, and then it's just kind of. It's more just beer then. It's not yeah. so much sour beer as it is just beer. Yeah, it, it doesn't have. It's not off putting. What's great, like that's what is awesome when you see breweries like this because. There's enough there that you could just walk into this, never having had something like this, been interested in the style, and grab one of these beers and try it and not go, oh, no, 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 it's, it's just too, it, it, it still has, I mean, I shouldn't say that for everybody, I mean, everybody's got their own thing, yeah. but 
it's not aggressive. Like that's the key with this. Like some of these beers can be a little too aggressive and that's going to put you off right away. And, and that's why I always say like when, when people try a beer and they say, oh, I don't like insert style. Like, no, you don't like the beer that you had in that style. Yeah. That's a totally different thing. If you're interested, because I've gotten emails on from the show before and so people looking to get into different styles of beer. What do you recommend I try? Like, that's what it is. You need to find a gateway. If you want to try something, you find the right gateway and you'll get into it. Just, you don't want to, like, if you're getting into IPAs, we've said this on here before, you don't go and try, you know, the 12% thousand IBU, <laughs> something that some people, even after they've had enough beer, still can't even drink that stuff. Like, you want to have something that has the flavors you're looking for, but kept in check, reserved, so you're getting them subtly, not beaten over the head with them. And then after that, you can kind of go, okay, now I know what I'm looking for. Yeah, so once you get acclimated to it, then you just beat yourself over the head with the hugest beers you can possibly yeah, find. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> I mean, that, that's, that's the problem. Is like Some of us that get so into craft beer think, oh, I love this. Someone else would love this. And it's like, mm, mm, yeah. would they really? Like That's what you need to kind of keep in mind. And that's what you see a lot of people uh, getting into arguments with like friends and family about, like, no, you're just, you don't know. And it's yeah. like, no, it, Maybe they don't. Like maybe that's the key. Maybe they they don't know yet, but they will. And you can't just throw something at them. Like if someone's gonna run, a, you know, someone's never even gone on a fun run, if you want to use that term, <laughs> and they're gonna go, all right, next week we're running a marathon. Like they're not gonna do too well. No. And like that's the whole thing. Like you, you need to kind of keep that in mind with all of these things. Like there's different things going on, and people are going to be sensitive to different flavors. We had it on here before. Some people are sensitive to different things in the beer, and they can't drink it. It doesn't mean something's quote-unquote wrong with them. It's just they're sensitive to that flavor. I mean, maybe there is something wrong with them. I don't know. Yeah. We've had some people in here, there's stuff wrong with. Well, if you like beer, there's really not much wrong with you. I mean, it's the people who don't like beer. Those are the ones you have to watch out for, to be perfectly honest with you. All right, so we're cracking open <laughs> our final one here. Now, this is uh, another golden sour. This is brewed with tart cherries and sweet cherries. So this is a, the biggest one, too, of the day. I think it's... What is it? 7.2. This is Impossible Soul. What's also nice, too, if you didn't see on our social media and everything, like the labeling for this brewery is awesome, too. It's just really simplistic, black and white. Just beautiful labels. Um, two of them are wax dipped. But the other thing that's cool, and we didn't even mention this either, sour beers are great to age. Like they're the, the bacteria and stuff that's in there is a lot longer lasting than yeast. Yeast has a shorter shelf life. So when you have something that is bottle conditioned or whatever, it has compared to a lot of the way sour beers are and everything, the, the shelf life in those, especially when you get into, like if you have some beers you see that are you know 100% Britannomyces, those will last for almost up to 20 years. Some yeah, of them. So, and, and change quite dramatically yeah. too. It's, I mean, you, you sell a lot of dark beers, they're just going to get, you're pretty, you can predict the kind of flavors that yeah. they're going to grow into. Sometimes with these, you're not quite yeah. sure. There, and that's a fun thing. And there's all different things. And it's also, too, it, it, bottle by bottle can be different. It's not just like, you know, you have a 2012, whatever, Imperial Stout. Across the board, unless something went wrong, uh, they're all going to kind of fall within the same thing. But with sour beers, like, you could have each one going a little bit different and have these awesome flavors to it. And it just develops because the way that bacteria works compared to yeast is it's it's giving off different flavors that continue to change, whereas yeast kind of just keeps you know, pooping out the same thing over and over again. That so, would be the scientific... Yes, that is the scientific uh, term for that. Um, <laughs> but Yeast poop is delicious. <laughs> <laughs> but it just kind of gives out those same flavors, so that's what enhances and develops over time, whereas these continue to change and develop. And this was a really nice one, too, because it has... 
you know, there's a lot of beers that have had cherry flavors and especially within the sour thing like that's you know a very popular thing to use but to have this blend of of sweet and tart cherries it, it makes it a little more subdued because if you just threw tart cherries in this this would be one of those beers that's probably way too sour to, to take on but it has a nice balance within itself like instead of having to throw something else in you're just having those two you know fruits play off one another yeah and it's like sometimes you want perfect harmony with stuff and with this it, it really is kind of two things battling back and forth but it kind of works it works it's not like aggressive to the point where it's like it's not pleasurable that yeah. that yin and yang just uh, flows, baby. And the other thing too it's key is these are all fresh fruits that are going in this is not cherry syrup they didn't put or, a high C in it. There's ecto cooler, <laughs> but uh, no, that's what's great. It's like there, there's just fresh fruit gone into these, so that's what really what you're getting, and that's what gives it those, that juicy quality. Like you really feel like when we had Treehouse on, like that's what it was like with their beers. Not they were putting fruit in it, but it had that juicy quality, and that's something that I can really see uh, as you know craft beer continues to develop. That's a quality in beer that people are really looking for more than anything now. Yeah, it's like if you were to play off exactly what you said, New England IPA, that's literally squeeze, sweet, and juice. This is more like a preserve kind of jammy juiciness you're getting from it. So it's like yeah. two things. And the funny thing is, too, that really they only make what they said three base styles. Yeah. And everything is based off those base styles. So it just goes to show you what you can do with beer, yeah. even three individual and, styles. And that was the most interesting thing, too, is like it just really shows the knowledge that they have, like making those base styles and then deciding oh, this would be good with like going off of what the beer is telling them instead of saying, all right, this is going to be whatever style, this is how I'm brewing it. They're making those base styles and then deciding how they're going to blend and what those flavors are going to bring to whatever they decide. Like they're, yeah. they're not, they're kind of reverse engineering this beer and letting the beer tell them instead of trying to force it, you know, forcing a circle into a square hole or whatever. <laughs> they're, they're really kind of taking it back and, and working with it and saying, this is what will best service the beer. And they're letting the beer tell them that instead of the other way around, which, you know, it works better, especially with sour beers, because there's so many different variants that you're not getting in brewing a regular beer. It's delicious. Yeah, that's that, all. That's, that's my expert, expert uh, non-expert every, opinion. Every, <laughs> everything we've had today from them is phenomenal. So definitely check them out. Uh, you can head over to therarebarrel.com, get a lot of their info, and just want to get in on that and get in on the, the club. He said, I highly recommend you do that one. So, all right, next week we're going to be back. It's going to be our post-Thanksgiving festival, which means we're going to just be in here. It's going to be a mess. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have a good time. So we'll see you next week here, Sunday. Chip on the, the Beer fans. Geeks, WLK. Cheers.